0: Hey and welcome to the Healthier You podcast. I'm your host Sarah Elizabeth and I'm a women's health coach. Each week we delve into all things health and wellness whether that be nutrition, hormones, periods, stress management, personal growth and everything in between. It's my mission to guide you into being the CEO of your own body and life by understanding how to support your health and your hormones so that you can leave feeling lit up, tuned in and turned on by your life. I am so excited that you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Healthier You. So today I'm going to chat you through the four different types of PCOS and the reason that I wanted to do an episode like this is because I'm hearing more and more recently of women who are experiencing irregular cycles and then going to the doctors and being diagnosed with PCOS but they're not really being given any information about what that means, what are the symptoms they might be experiencing, what type of PCOS it is. A lot of women that have PCOS don't even realize that there are four different types and so they may fall under any of those four brackets and a lot of women are also wrongly kind of diagnosed with PCOS as well or they're going in with PCOS like symptoms and not being diagnosed with it. I feel like there is just a not a lot of information about PCOS out there and so I wanted an episode that is going to be really informative and really helpful for anyone who's either recently been diagnosed or maybe thinks that they have it and aren't quite sure. Um, this is obviously not a diagnostic tool but it's something that could give you a little bit of information about what it means and what you can do and what the four different types of so what I'm hearing most of the time is that when women are getting diagnosed with PCOS, there are two options, right? The first option is you've got to go and lose some weight. And again, there is no actual practical information about how to do that. I think sometimes it is so infuriating to be told you're losing weight, especially with the types of women that I work with who have probably had a massive long history of yo-yo dieting and chronic restriction. So to then go to the doctors and be told, just lose weight, it's almost like, oh, do you not think I have Tried every single diet under the sun to lose weight. And so it's entirely unhelpful. And then option two is, oh, you should go on the pill. So I'm going to do another episode with my journey on hormonal birth control and a little bit more information about that one, because I think that a lot of women, they tend to go on the pill. And similarly to kind of like the PCOS situation where women are going to the doctors because they're experiencing symptoms of hormonal imbalance, right? So it might be things like acne, it might be things like, um, heavy regular periods it might be that their periods are really really painful they experience mood changes whatever it is and then they go to the doctors and the doctor kind of prescribes them with the pill and they believe that that is going to be the thing that solves their problem or that balances their hormones and I think it's really important to know that the pill doesn't actually balance your hormones. It doesn't really deal with the root cause of the problem. And so when you're taking the pill, it's kind of masking it. And then when you come off the pill, those symptoms return oftentimes heavier than normal. um, And it really hasn't solved the problem in any which way. So I think it's really important, and I'm not anti-pill at all, um, but I am pro-informed choice and I am pro understanding the implications. And I really don't think there's enough information out there about the pill and the side effects of the pill and what can come with the pill and how to support yourself on a nutritional level because the pill does deplete certain nutrients. And so it's really important that you kind of know all of that information so that you can act accordingly and make a decision from a place of information rather than um, from a, you know, just because you are. Cold so I was definitely one of those women who decided to take the pill because my periods were just debilitatingly painful. They were just so, so painful. Um, and I struggled with all the symptoms, you know, acne, mood swings, all the things. And then when I went on the pill, I literally thought that I had gone crazy because I felt like my entire personality had changed. Um, and that's just actually one of the side effects. So we'll have an entirely different podcast episode on that because I don't want to bog you down with too much in one episode, but I think it'd be really, really helpful to kind of really start start conversations about these things Um, especially if you're someone who wants to create hormonal balance then you can 100% do that and this is the same with you know your PCOS symptoms we're very much told that um, PCOS is incurable but I have seen PCOS come into remission so many times and symptoms come into remission so many times through simple diet and lifestyle changes and so it is absolutely possible to do so. So the chances are if you've been diagnosed with PCOS, maybe you've been told to go on the pill, told to lose weight, maybe even both, but you've probably not been given a lot of information about what that actually means, what are the symptoms um, and any other information to support you in how to move forwards from a lifestyle and food perspective. So I think at least knowing like what type of PCOS it probably is that you're struggling with, what are the exact symptoms that accompany that, then you will know how to move forwards with what to do X, Y, Z, right? So I think what's first important to mention is the fact that PCOS short for polycystic ovarian syndrome is not an actual illness or a disease right it is a cluster of symptoms which is why it's called a syndrome because it's really defined by its symptoms And actually the symptoms can be a little bit confusing because a lot of people believe that if you have cysts on your ovaries, you must have PCOS, but actually that's not the case. You can have cysts on your ovaries and not have PCOS. So normal ovaries are filled with what we call ovarian follicles, which are essentially tiny little cysts. Um, And so every month those cysts grow and burst and basically reabsorb back into the ovary, right? So a lot of women who have have ultrasounds and depending on where they're at in their month right because this kind of ties in with ovulation um they might have an ultrasound and if they um the practitioner sees cysts they might say oh you've got cysts on your ovaries and this is where pcos can be misdiagnosed quite a lot um because it's actually at some points in your month it's actually really normal to have cysts on your ovaries. And so, yes, it can be one of the symptoms, but it is not the deciding factor as to whether you have PCOS or not, which I appreciate makes it a little bit more difficult because it might be that you know you were diagnosed based off of seeing um, cysts on your ovaries. And I think this is another reason why it's so, so important for us to advocate for our health as women, because when you go into a doctor's surgery, being armed with questions, being armed with um, the ability to understand your own body, understand how your hormones work, It just means that you can ask the right questions and really get the support that you deserve. Um, We had a really great conversation about this on the episode around endometriosis, which was not that long back, um, about really learning to... Um, track your own symptoms and track what's coming up for you in your body so that when you go to the doctors you can go in with as much information as possible and it really supports you into getting a diagnosis that is actually helpful and um, correct right. So another symptom of PCOS includes lack of ovulation and the way that you would know that you haven't Ovulated is essentially you wouldn't have a period, and that's why women who have PCOS have really, really long irregular cycles is because they don't ovulate regularly, right? And so you might find um, if you have PCOS, your cycles go on for you know 40, 60, 70, 80 days um, a really, really long period of time without. Um, having a period and you won't get the usual signs of ovulation right so things like cervical mucus or it might be that you have too many periods right so I have experienced it where um, someone might be bleeding too much right having a period every two weeks and so um, that can also be a sign of PCOS as well so very irregular periods lack of ovulation another one is high level of androgens now androgens are male hormone we are supposed to have some androgens Um, we say male hormone hormone but um we are supposed to have some um and essentially when you have a high level of them they can cause um, symptoms such as things like facial and body hair acne hair loss hair growing in places that you wouldn't necessarily expect hair to be growing on a female body um so for example around the breast things like that on your chest um weight gain and infertility as well so you could be struggling with any of those symptoms and of course having cysts on your Ovaries, or you might not have cysts on your ovaries but have some of those other symptoms as well. Women are usually diagnosed with PCOS in their 20s or their 30s, and often it just comes to light when you're more aware of your periods and how your periods are impacting your career, your relationships, your life. And so that's when women tend to go to the doctors about these symptoms. But again, people can go for years and years having these symptoms going backwards and forwards to the doctors telling them that something isn't right and still not get diagnosed for years so this is again similar to endometriosis in the way that pcos is really really common um i think studies from like 2016 show that it was like one in ten women and it's probably even more now to be honest i come across it so often um there are so many links between binge eating and pcos and relationship with food and pcos as well which is really interesting because oftentimes the women that i work with not only struggle with PCOS but then also have insatiable cravings um, and uh, behavior around food that feels erratic and um, we'll go into a little bit more detail about why that is in a second because that relates to insulin resistant PCOS which is the most common type but it is getting more and more common so it can take quite a while to get diagnosed and I think the issue is that First of all, women were not included in medical studies for such a long time that we really don't have a lot of data on what works for women health-wise, around women's health in general, about women's health conditions. We literally weren't included in scientific studies until like the 90s, which is absolutely ridiculous. So there's not a lot of information about women's health out there at all, and then to add on top of that is that um, when we find something new out about women's health or we find something new about a women's health condition it often requires about 10 years before it's then put into the curriculum of medical school which is entirely unhelpful because it means that we can be finding things out and then it's just you know there's no action taken on that until years down the line right and so and it's the same with nutrition to a certain extent right is that we're still really leaning on that nutrition pyramid I don't know if you remember learning about it at school and then you know we have proven time and time again that actually that's not right that's completely outdated but it's going to be a really long time before that's updated which is why I really love the holistic um, side of health because we really have this firsthand experience of working with clients of like seeing what works in practice and being able to um, really support women in what we know works from uh, you know day today clinical practice because oftentimes studies are out of date um what's in the curriculum is completely out of date and really we need to go off what is physically working human to human in practice and this is why it's so so important to really learn to listen to your own body and to trial and error with things that work for you versus what doesn't work for you and I think this is why having the help of a practitioner of a coach of someone who does this and is an expert in this space is so helpful is because you can get so bogged down by all of the information out there, which is frankly, not up to date, not helpful, not really um, uh, specific for women or women going through certain situations. Intimate um, fasting is a really, really good example for this because there are so many studies that show the benefits of intermittent fasting, but when you take it out of a scientific study and put it into a day-to-day person's life, I'm not sure that the benefits are still the same first of all they are all on men second of all um you know if you have a really stressful morning where you're running around after kids dropping them off at school then going into work commuting all of these different things and you're doing all of that fasted that is so stressful for the body and is so unhelpful for your health long term versus if you're sat around not really doing a lot you know you don't have a stressful life you don't have a lot of responsibility maybe the benefits of intermittent fasting show up more so then um and also you know it's really set up for male biology versus female biology which is completely different so i know i'm going off on a tangent there but i really feel so passionate about the fact that just because something feels like it works on a scientific study on a paper that was um kind of like set up to kind of experience a specific outcome doesn't mean to say that in day-to-day life with the day-to-day stresses that we have it is going to work and especially when those studies are conducted on men and not women so we've got a lot of work to do right we've got a lot of work to do in terms of making sure that studies are applicable and up-to-date for women and for our day-to-day lives So I know we went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I feel like it's a really important conversation that we do need to talk about. So let's dive into the four different types of PCOS then. The first one and the most common type of PCOS is insulin resistant PCOS. And if you hadn't guessed it by now, it is really fueled by insulin resistance, which is one of the many reasons as to why we know that diet and lifestyle can have such a huge impact on anybody struggling with insulin resistance resistant PCOS. So insulin resistance for anybody who doesn't know is essentially a condition of high insulin, right? So this is when you have high levels of blood sugar and therefore insulin is released in order to deal with that high level of sugar in your blood. But then because the levels of insulin are so high, the cells of the liver and the muscles essentially fail to respond properly to insulin and get it inside the cell. Um, And so essentially it causes you to become resistant to that insulin. Now, in normal circumstances, it is perfectly normal for insulin to be released especially after meals briefly right and this is why I don't really like this idea of getting really caught up on absolutely every single thing that bal- that um, raises your blood sugar levels because to a certain extent it is supposed to raise briefly um, and so getting really caught up on oh my gosh I can't eat that and I know that a lot of people are now using those continuous glucose monitors as if anything that slightly spikes your blood sugar is like going to be terrible um, and that's not the case but it's also really really important that if you're chronically on this roller coaster of loads of insulin being released then naturally you become more sensitive, um, less sensitive to it and your body doesn't respond in the same way that it perhaps would if it was just coming through at normal levels. So insulin resistant PCOS is definitely the most common, I think it makes up for about 70% of the women with PCOS have this particular type and so as well as the other symptoms that I mentioned earlier you're also experiencing symptoms of insulin resistance. So this is where you might be experiencing uncontrollable cravings for example which is one of the reasons that I see really big links between PCOS and binge eating overeating um that kind of thing you know disordered relationship with food is because it often does come hand in hand with a easy weight gain so then it really does um enable this kind of like um Uh, kind of fearful relationship with food but at the same time also experiencing lots of craving cravings and extreme fatigue and tiredness um that it's almost like this catch-22 situation because the the intense um sugar cravings makes you want to crave sugar but at the same time the sugar isn't helpful to the condition so it's almost like chicken and the egg um, kind of situation um and so those are the symptoms that you might be experiencing alongside the other sort of pcos symptoms So again when tackling this type of PCOS it's so so important to evaluate where your relationship with food is because I think if you're someone who is really triggered by the idea of just taking out loads of food from your diet and that causes a more destructive relationship with food then that needs to be dealt with beforehand and the way that I work with my clients is that we will always look at food from an addition perspective. I don't look especially right at the beginning of their journey with me and we don't look at what they're taking out and we look at what we're adding in and then we can look at you know what foods are potentially not helpful for their health that we can remove um but ensuring that they're eating enough and we've already addressed their relationship with food and I think it's important to re-remind you at this point that if you're struggling with your relationship with food the chances are yes there are a lot of physical aspects to that right but there are also a lot of emotional aspects to that um and even just today for example I had a client call where we spoke about um this individual's um relationship with food and she'd had a history of dieting and restriction and fear around foods but actually when we really dug underneath the surface there was this fear of being seen there was this always trying to fit in a box no boundaries all sorts of different things that all plays into your relationship with food So how does insulin resistance even lead to PCOS? And I think what's important to remember here is that your body will view your hormones in a hierarchical system. And that means that it prioritizes certain hormones over other hormones, right? It will always have its emergency hormones um, that are more important than the rest, right? And one of those hormones that it prioritizes over anything is insulin. So when insulin, you can almost imagine insulin and cortisol to be almost like the bullies of the body that when they are high, when they are um, out of whack, they're going to cause everything else to go out of whack a little bit like a domino effect. And so it's really, really important that if you are constantly dealing with this issue of insulin resistance, to understand that that is going to impact all of the rest of your hormones. And so, and, and knock all of those out of whack as well. So it's really important that when you're looking to balance your hormones, the first thing you're doing is you're managing your cortisol, you're managing your insulin, because those are the two hormones that are going to impact the rest of your hormones. Now, the next type of PCOS is post-pill PCOS, right? And this is why I often work with clients who want to come off the pill to support them with the nutrients. You can't just come off the pill and expect to be absolutely fine, right? It's really important that you support yourself with the nutrition, the lifestyle practices, the nutrients, the supplements in some cases that are going to give you that foundational level of what the pill is depleting so that when you come off it, You're not um, experiencing like a massive tank in hormones, right? It's oftentimes post-pill PCOS is actually temporary, so it's really important to give yourself time when you come off the pill. Work with a practitioner to support you in actually coming off it effectively, but then also give it time and be patient because it does take time for your hormones to come back into balance following on from that. So oftentimes, if it is that you've recently come off the pill and now all of a sudden you're starting to experience PCOS symptoms, this could be one of the reasons why, Um, and it's. Fairly common, to be honest, especially if you have just literally come off it for, you know, um, quite randomly and not kind of prepared your body for that. And if it is post-pill PCOS that you're experiencing, you can actually experience a pretty quick improvement in all of your symptoms and permanent improvement in all of your symptoms um, from just taking care of your body, giving yourself time, um, having the nutrients that you need. So things, for example, that are really helpful here are um, zinc, making sure that you're eating enough, balancing your blood sugar in general to support that hormone, those hormones coming back into balance and basically just supporting your overall metabolic health and ensuring that you are giving your body the fuel that it needs to go through that healing process properly. So the third type of PCOS is inflammatory PCOS. So if you haven't resonated with the other two so far, but you do experience some of the symptoms of PCOS, maybe you've been diagnosed with PCOS, but you know you don't have insulin resistance and you haven't just come off the pill, it may be that it is driven by inflammation. So what does that mean? And what I find really interesting is it really doesn't matter what hormonal balance imbalance you are struggling with, it will always, almost always be the same kind of root causes in terms of something is driving your body to become out of whack whether that be too much insulin or insulin resistance whether it be too much cortisol we'll talk about that in a second or whether it be inflammation the body will always prioritize getting you out of danger and getting you back into safety and I know we had a conversation about this in our nervous system episode which was also a really really good one and so helpful for you if you are struggling with PCOS and you want to learn a little bit more about how that could be impacting your body will always prioritize getting you out of danger over having nice to haves right and what we consider nice nice to haves to be are things like our menstrual cycles, nails growing, hair growing, clear skin, all of those things are the first thing to go out of the window as soon as you are experiencing um, any form of imbalance in the body and inflammation can be one of those imbalances. So, with inflammatory PCOS, some of the additional symptoms that you might be experiencing are things like IBS or digestive problems. And this is why gut health is such a massive factor when it comes to healing your hormones, creating hormonal balance, is because oftentimes it is kind of um, linked to um, constipation, not going to the toilet, a lot of bloating, um, just ineffective digestion. Because one of the ways that you eliminate excess hormone is actually from going to the toilet every day. And if you're not doing that, for effectively or you know you're not absorbing nutrients from your food effectively or whatever else that all plays into imbalances in the body and so it's really really important um if you are experiencing the IBS like symptoms to really work on your gut health so that you can support yourself back to safety right Um, another symptom is unexplained fatigue so feeling extremely tired all of the time things like headaches um joint pain and other conditions such as like skin conditions like um, eczema psoriasis if you're experiencing all of those and the PCOS symptoms it could be that it's an um, inflammatory PCOS. So the best way to deal with inflammatory PCOS is to support yourself by having an anti-inflammatory lifestyle right and that includes eating anti-inflammatory foods and steering away from foods that cause inflammation right and we're going to have an entirely different episode on anti-inflammatory foods and why it's so so important to have those in your diet in general anyway and like I said a lot of these things like balancing your blood sugar um supporting your you know hormonal balance um through ensuring you're dealing with excess insulin excess cortisol eating anti-inflammatory foods all of these things are such great ways of taking care of your hormone health in general. Whether you have PCOS or not, whether you are struggling with your hormones or not, these are all really important things that... I always say to my clients like eat as if right i eat as if i'm hypothyroid i eat as if i have hormonal imbalances because i know that is the healthiest way for me to eat for me to feel at my optimal health um so an anti-inflammatory lifestyle anti-inflammatory diet and it's not just foods that cause inflammation right stress causes inflammation there are certain toxins in products that we use around the house um, that cause inflammation as well those flipping car <laughs> car smelly things that people have in their car like I don't even know like I think when you clean up the products that you use in your environment from things like that you become so sensitive to them because whenever I get into a car and I really um and and I smell one of the um one of those things that people put in their car that's um, supposed to smell nice but it literally makes me feel so nauseous because I've just become so accustomed to not having scents all over the place and really and um, steering more towards like natural products and those things are going to be really really supportive for cars calming down inflammation as well so the final form of pcos to consider is adrenal pcos right so if you have met all the criteria for pcos but you do not have insulin resistance you've not just come off the pill or you've not been negatively affected by coming off the pill and maybe you have no signs of inflammation whatsoever it may be that it is adrenal pcos that is your issue So this type of PCOS really only accounts for around 10% of women who have PCOS in the first place. Um, And actually the caveat here is that you can ovulate regularly with adrenal PCOS as well. And essentially this one comes down to, it's not driven by insulin resistance or impaired ovulation or anything like that. It's really driven by an abnormal stress response system. So again it comes back down to this idea that the body will always prioritize getting you out of danger whatever that looks like whether it be insulin whether it be cortisol whether it be um you know whatever else inflammation in the body um whatever it is it will always prioritize that over the nice to haves like balanced hormones right so adrenal pcos really comes back down to the fact that it's um that you have like an abnormal stress response system or hpa axis right essentially your um adrenal axis right so your hpa axis refers to the communication between your hypothalamus your adrenals and your pituitary gland um, so essentially this kind of like communication system between those three um regulate things like your blood sugar your appetite your sleep your memory your mineral balance your blood pressure like basically all of the things um, and so your body is really designed to handle acute stressors, but oftentimes this can become overworked and, um, can then cause, um, you know, uh, adrenal dysfunction in the body, right? So it might be that if you have adrenal PCOS, you really also resonate with some of the symptoms of, um, you know, quote unquote, adrenal fatigue, um, or HPA axis dysfunction, which is, it's actual name right so um the signs are things like for example feeling exhausted all the time but really struggling to sleep feeling quite reliant on caffeine and sugary snacks um, feeling anxious having a low mood um, having trouble kind of coping with stress um, low libido um, irregular periods pms brain fog low immunity low blood pressure salty ca- type cravings and um, which obviously we had a chat about in the mineral um, balance episode so lots of different symptoms that will come along with that and as you can imagine the biggest thing that is going to support you in this is understanding what the root cause is of the adrenal kind of dysfunction in general right so is it that you're under too much stress is it that you're malnourished um is it that you have a lack of boundaries a lot of this can be you know some emotional work that needs to be done um gut issues as well come into this um feeling constantly stimulated being a workaholic what i say to my clients is that like devil wears prada um energy where it's like you're um feeling a bit like a girl boss go 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 all the things um living off coffee it feels really cool in the moment but always leads to burnout or in this case adrenal pcos right so um obviously things to consider here are what's causing you the most stress but also nutrient deficiencies as well because new nu- nutrient deficiencies and being low in certain minerals vitamins and all the things is a massive stressor on the body that we never consider so those are the four types of pcos i hope that you found this episode really informative it's been very um kind of helpful to sit and talk this through with you um and i hope that you found it helpful as well i would absolutely love it if you know somebody who has PCOS or maybe they feel like they have PCOS and they're not sure um or maybe you know someone who's recently been diagnosed and they're not really sure um any, they, they don't really know anything about it at all um or maybe they're learning more about it please stay them away from finding content on tiktok because honestly and i don't know if you've noticed but i've gone very quiet on tiktok recently purely because i just don't want to be a part of the noise and i find that a lot of the information on there is incorrect um there's so many people who are just completely underqualified to be talking about some of the things that they're talking about and genuinely sometimes my clients come to me and they're like oh i've been like googling this on um tiktok and i'm like please don't do that because you're going to confuse yourself So much, um, and point them in the direction of podcasts like this instead, particularly this one. Definitely give it a screenshot, give it a share, share it with your friends, um, share it with anyone you feel might um, find this helpful, Um, and drop me a message on Instagram as well and let me know what you've taken from this um, and let me know that you've had a listen. So, I hope this has been helpful and cannot wait for some of the episodes that we've got planned. Um, We've got some on low libido, we've got some on hormonal birth control, just so many interesting. Um, topics coming up so keep your eyes peeled for those and I'm really excited to catch up with you again next week